Thank you for listening to the Recovery Refuge podcast. We aim to offer you a safe listening space to grow in your recovery. I hope today's show is an encouragement to you and brings you a sense of peace in your life. For updates on new content, follow us on social media at recoveryrefuge.care. Also, check out our website for any developments in our ministry at recoveryrefuge.care. Enjoy today's show. Hey, my name is Hunter Abrams. I'm with Recovery Refuge, and I'm here with Adam French, the founder of Recovery Refuge. Our goal is to eradicate addiction in Sumner County. And today we're going to dive into episode eight. This is the God problem. So Adam, we're going to dive into this. And to some of us, God problem might sound like an oxymoron. Like that may not make a lot of sense because, okay, we have God and he's the problem, but is a God the problem or is the God the problem? We're going to dive into that. Um, So we're not going to say that the God is the problem, but I want you to help us understand what does that mean to have a God problem? Let's dive into that and then we'll, we'll continue to unpack it for the remainder of this episode. Yeah. um, I think a lot of people in the context of of this, we're talking about as far as recovery, you know, thinking of someone who's been struggling with, with alcohol or drug addiction and they're coming for help. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're saying, Hey, my life is, my life is this, my life is that I'm, I got arrested or my wife, my marriage is going to fall apart for whatever reason they realized. And they said, I need help. And Mm -hmm. then you come to a program in particular, all of the programs that use uh, 12 steps as their discipleship pathway for sobriety, mm-hmm. as we were talking about earlier, like they have laid out over the years. Um, it all started with AA, Dr. Bob and them. They they started meeting with people one-on-one, and six years later they wrote the AA book, and then 18 years later they wrote the 12 and 12 and said, hey, here's what we've learned. And those two tools have been really the most prolific when it comes to helping people find sobriety. Mm-hmm. And so when someone comes into an AA room or NA room or, or CR, um, the first, they have those, that 12 steps of, of the pathway of sobriety. Well, the first two are all about acceptance. And then the last 10 are all about taking action. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the age old thing, I can, I can accept a lot of stuff about you, but accepting stuff about me is hard, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. We're great teachers of problems that other people's have, but yeah. if we have the same problem, it's hard, right? Yeah. Cause the first thing is you have to go, Oh, I'm struggling with that too. And so, and I'm leading up to where the problem exists. So the first thing you have to accept is I've got a problem with A, B or C. I've got a problem with alcohol. I got a problem with drugs. I got a problem with too much TV, too much mm-hmm. social media, problem with I can't stop working when I get home or put my yeah. phone down. Like you can insert what your struggle is. Well, the first part is accepting that. Okay, I, I can't, I can't do this. Uh, um, you know, this is this is a problem in my life. You don't even have to really think that I can't ever do this again. It's just this is a problem, and for today, I'm willing to not to not do it. My life has become unmanageable because of this problem. Well, that's the first thing we accept, which is a big hurdle. Yeah. And 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 I know we're just having a light conversation here. And we also need to understand that the reality is, though, is that people die right there mm-hmm. every day. Even in Sumner County, third wealthiest county in the state of Tennessee, um, twenty one was it, 83 people died in 2021. We average between 
we average an overdose every 40 to 48 hours in our county, in our backyard, in our streets, in our neighborhoods. You start going to Davidson County and um, Shelby County and some of yeah. our, I mean, the numbers just go up. We're, we are one of the, we're top five worst states yeah. in regards to overdose death. Uh, services for recovery. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, and and so we, we may do a whole episode on where we're at statistically. Because yeah. I've just been to a couple conf or my buddy went to a conference and then he sent me all the stuff. And so I felt like I went there. But yeah, but I was reading through it all and I was just like, wow. And due to the fact, so th- now I'm assuming because we're based, you and I, you're in Hendersonville, I'm in Gallatin, we're right. Sumner County based, that a right. lot of our listeners are Sumner County based. And while the statistics may show that Shelby County, probably Hamilton County, and Davidson County are the worst, and Knox County, our four big cities basically are probably mm-hmm. the worst, that is going to continue to get, um, those numbers are going to spread basically mm-hmm. due to the fact that you and I both, you know this, our, our housing prices have gone up due to the influx of people moving to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So basically people are being displaced. Pushed out, yeah. They're being pushed out of those counties to surrounding counties because right. they're seeking out a, a, really a survivable life. Yeah. But all we're going to see is then the statistics shift. They're not going to go away. Sure, maybe in a couple of years, Davidson can boast that overdose deaths have gone down, but they haven't. They've just been moved. Well, is what's going to happen, unfortunately. This, you know, I'm not a big stats guy, but, you know, they, they tell a story. Mm-hmm. You know, numbers tell a story. And so one of the interesting stats is, is that ever since 2018, every year since 2018, the, the overdose rate has gone up 56%. It's like 56.7 or something like that. And then another interesting stat, the same time that the overdose rate's going up, the number of prescription is going down. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're like, oh, what, is, what does that tell? What that tells you is that people are using more illegal drugs mm. than they, before there was a big, you know, we, we've actually, Tennessee's done a really good job of cracking down on um, doctor shopping. Yeah. Um, number one, I mean, the number one drug dealer for a long time was was doctors that were um you know just either uneducated in that area or just willingly were doing this with yeah. the clinics and everything well now that numbers is going those numbers are going down but overdose death rates are going up because now you know you don't know what you're getting you're somebody's handing you a pill and it might I, mean, I know be, i see the billboards all oh, over yeah. where it showed two pills and it's like do you know which one's the real one yeah and it's that right there it's well now people are having things that they call uh and these, and these are things you need to talk to your kids about they have uh they call them m&m parties have we talked about this before I don't, know um, if I, I don't know. Maybe is this the Narcan thing? Well, no, 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 no. Okay. This isn't. So this would be good for for listeners to hear. We have children and just to talk to them about this, and even even young adults that are going to college. They so a M M&M and M party is you 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 come with whatever pills you have and you drop them in a bowl. Oh jeez. And so everybody drops their bowl of pills, you know, or their pills in the bowl, and then you get whatever you want, and you never know what you're getting. And so we've. Um, and I know of, I know of a family that I spoke to last year that um, lost a child that was wasn't eighteen yet was still in high school because of this. So this stuff is scary. And and, yeah. and I just want to bring that up because like you know I'm like hey acceptance you gotta accept that you have a problem. Well for a lot of people if they don't man the consequences of that are deadly. Yeah. And so we accept that, and then the second, so after that big step of, okay, all right, <laughs> you know, my mama's told me, my daddy's told me, my grandmama told me, the yeah. preacher told me, my boyfriend told me, my ex-boyfriend told you know, my ex-girlfriend, you know, it's like, I accepted it, and then the next thing is, okay, if you want to be restored, if you want to find healing, if you want to overcome this, yeah. then you have to reach out to God, and and that is where the problem lies, this, high, this idea 
that God is the solution to my problem. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that's hard to accept. And I'll tell you why. One reason is, is because there's resentments or there's woundedness at the church. Mm -hmm. And um, here's the thing. I think as a church in our, um, in our desire to help people and make things better, a lot of times we've wound up pushing people away because we just didn't understand what the actual solution was. Yeah. The solution is God, but how you connect with God and how God helps you along the life of sobriety is much different than what a normal church service would be yeah. or what a life group would be, what a student service would be. Um, what a bereavement, you know, it's just, it's totally, it's totally different. Yeah. And churches just weren't equipped. And so people would go to church and say, Hey, and this is, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking, um, generally here, but I, I mean, forward to the, at least a hundred years or more where it's been documented, where people would say, Hey, Adam, my husband is a drunk. And the pastor would say, let's get him in here and let's try to pray it out of him. And, you yeah. know, the thing about addiction is mysterious yeah. because some people you get saved and the desire to use is gone mm -hmm. and you never go, you don't have to go to a meeting. You don't have to go to, I mean, it's just, you just don't have it. It's not there. You'll still see some symptoms of the behavior, but it's not there, man. God completely removed that. Yeah. And then there are people that that's not their story. Mm -hmm. God, doesn't do that. They battle with it. Yeah. For, yeah. And that's one of those things that I'll let you ask God. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> Among other things. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and God has his reasons and I'm okay with that. But the guy who said, Adam, hey, pray for him, pray for him. And not that they don't need that. Yeah. But oh, yeah. It's, it's almost like when you were talking about, you're talking about the different, um, I don't want to say use cases, but the different purposes of the church. Like mm -hmm. you've got your Sunday service, you've got your discipleship of your kids, you may have funerals, you may have baptism, like all this stuff mm -hmm. that is good. But then you have a past, a Sunday pastor who has no history, has no knowledge of addiction and recovery, attempting to solve the problems that they're not equipped for. It made me think of like if I, let's say in my truck tomorrow, I blow the head gasket um, and I were to go to Valvoline, be like, let's, let's get it fixed. Repl or if I pull it to Valvoline and better analogy would be they go, yeah, no, we can. Oh, your head gasket blew. Let's change the oil. That'll probably that'll help. It's like yeah, no, that's <laughs> no, yeah. Changing the oil is a good thing, but it's not going to help my bigger problem. Right. What you should have done is Valvoline should have said, "Go up to so and so. Go yeah. to this mechanic. They're honest. They're good. Mm -hmm. They'll be able to help you sort out your problem and actually give you a long term solution. Your right. truck may have problems that you blow in your head gasket. You may be running high temps. You may be doing all this. There may mm -hmm. be metal in your engine, but start there." And when no. you start there, so when you were saying that, that's no, kind of popped so into good. my head of like, we have to acknowledge what we can help with and what we can't help with as the church and not let our own arrogance and ambition get in the way of that that person has a story too. Not everything is about what the pastor can help, what problems the pastor can solve. We have to acknowledge that we're not the main characters in every story yeah. in doing that. Yeah, and that's why um, and it's coming back, and we can kind of talk about that a little bit later, but that's why recovery... Um, has really moved away from the church. Mm -hmm. That's why you see, you know, psychiatrists and therapists and counselors really being uh, the first answer, you know, yeah. now because you. Can, I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, it, it, I mean, so serious, so real, so true. How many times people's walked through the doors at of recovery meetings and said, 
Uh, my counselor, I met, I had a counselor, I met with them twice and they said, you need to go to AA or you need mm-hmm. to go to, so, because it's like, Hey, you, we know, Hey, I can help you. I can help you with a lot of things, but with your alcoholism, the best place to go or your addiction is in AA. So, yeah. um, as a church, I think that was hard. And so in our desire to try to help them, we continue to do these things and we wound up wounding them because then you go, Oh, well, if prayer doesn't work and just reading your Bible doesn't work, um, on Sunday, you know, or whatever it may be, then you're just not, your effort's not there. And so it's not us. Yeah. You're the problem. So then you can, can you imagine if I came to you and I said, Hey, Hunter, man, um, you know, you do a lot of construction stuff. I said, Hey, I need, I have a project here that, uh, you know, I need you to help me with. And, and, and I go to you and, and you say, yeah, we got you. And then you don't fix any of it. And I come to you and I say, hey, man, like you said you were going to do this. You're like, well, the problem is your building. See, your building is screwed up. And it's you're the- funny that you would say that because you and I actually live that out. Do you remember when you moved into your house and you were like, yeah, my AC is not working. And I was like, well, I'll come take a look at it. I do construction, but I'm not an HVAC guy. Yeah. So I came to look at it and I remember you even joking. You're like, wow, you got your work boots on? Like, you're going to fix it. And I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what's wrong with it. But I'm not going to fix it. Yeah. So to that point, like if I would have showed up and I would have said, hey, Adam, hey, Josie, yeah, your unit's undersized. We're going to have to do X, Y, and Z, uh, but we'll get it going. And then you and Josie wait on me to come fix your problem. And you never come back. And I never came back. <laughs> that would have been that was like. Yeah. So I, it just that um again in doing so and it's almost like i want to because that's a great point that i want to bring back to our opener here where we talked about the oxymoron of the god problem mm-hmm. and it's almost like um that kid show scooby-doo that we all grew up on and if you're too young to remember scooby-doo then hopefully you're listening with your parents right now and uh <laughs> if you in that moment like okay you admit i have the god problem like i yeah. was hurt by the church mm-hmm. um but you may equate that to i was hurt by god Right. And we're hoping that the God problem will kind of be that Scooby-Doo moment. Like you find out there's the bad guy and you think it's God. And then yeah. we, what we want to do is take that mask off and like, hey, your problem actually isn't God. Your problem was an arguably well-intentioned pastor who was mm-hmm. ill-equipped to mm-hmm. help you in your struggle. And it's actually this. It's not God. Yeah. You, God didn't hurt you. Someone else did in the name of God, which right. that's what we want to – that's the hurdle we want to jump here is um, – God, God didn't, God didn't tell you to pray it away. Yeah. God didn't tell you to fight battles incorrectly. God's very clear that we are to seek out help in all ways. And right. he, he equips some of us better than others to be like, we've had counselors on this show. We've had different, different, um, types of people, but mm-hmm. for so many of them, we were all equipped differently and God equipped us to do so. So if I were to go to one of our guests was Eric, Eric's a plumber. Mm-hmm. I, if I go to Eric, to get my bathroom sink redone, he can do it. But if I go to Eric to solve my mental problems I have going on and my baggage I'm packing, Eric's not the right person for that. Another guest would have been the right person right. for that. So exactly. it's important for us to acknowledge God didn't, didn't cause this problem. It was, again, arguably a well-intentioned pastor, but we need to seek out help elsewhere, not give up on the church and Christianity altogether. So I know we're going to get into the the blue book and the AA and stuff that mm-hmm. you know that I don't mm-hmm. in this episode, but... Um, it's just very important to talk about the misconstruing of who yeah. our problem is. And we'll talk about the character of God in, in the second episode. But one thing I want to bring up, too, is I think often we think of, of God as like he is. There's a beautiful table 
and it's dinner time and God's sitting at the head of the table and then oh, we need to, we go in the back and we prepare and we're sweating like we're at the barbecue place like we're out there at the we're out there cooking we're we're sweating we're we're grimy we set all the table we rush everything in and then we come and we sit and we try to look as you know, when you come to dinner you know, right before you come from the kitchen to the dinner table, you get all dressed up, mm-hmm. you get all cleaned up, you spray yourself, put your deodorant on, and you sit yeah. down and you try to, you know, you're at grandma's house, you're sitting up straight, and you're trying to talk proper. And then when dinner's over, you're cleaning it, you go in the back, you're washing dishes. And it's like, no, 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 that God, <laughs> Jesus, the, the God that we serve is, he prepares the food with you. Yeah. He's shoulder to shoulder with you. He sits down with you. He's with you the whole time. Yeah. He's not, you know, do we ha- is there a holiness? Is there a is there a sacredness? Yes. Uh, and that's why it's it's so incredible that a God like that would love us. He's holy, he's sacred, but then he still says, I'm going to be with you in all of this. And so mm-hmm. I think that um, the first group of per- people that we're talking about as far as the God problem is is the believer, the one who grew up in church or the one who has went to the church or experienced church and tried church to help their sobriety and it didn't work. Yeah. And we thought, oh, well, God isn't who he said he was or church isn't what they said it was. It's like, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. There was just not of equipping. And now you even see with Celebrate Recovery and churches having counseling centers and all those sort of things and, and even smaller churches in rural areas going, hey, you need to go to the there's an AA meeting that John runs on Wednesday night. We've only got one because we're a little bitty town, yeah. but that's where you need to go. And so um, that first group of people that I want to talk about with the God problem are that is that group that has sort of had an experience with church, and then that second group are people that um, you know grew up in a worldview or a household that was not. Um, was not Christian, was not biblical. Um, church wasn't an option. You know, for me, my house, there was always beer and milk right next to each other in the refrigerator. Yeah. We never went to church. Uh, my, You know, there was no um, standard of morality except for my dad's discipline and my mom's correction. And so um, we never discussed God, you know, and I think that was some, a little bit of a, of a, of a blessing but I know in many households, there's a reason why people don't go. Yeah. And so now you have people that are 30, 40, 50 years old that said, I'm going to do this on my own. I was taught there's not a God or they're either atheists, they're either agnostic or they're indifferent to it all. And then you wake up and you're 45 years old or you're 50 years old, or maybe you find out even at 25 that I have a problem. This thing is ruining my life. I thought I could do it on my own. Now you wanted me to, you want me to say, that there's a God that created me, created this whole world, and I'm literally suffering and struggling in it, and you want me to go to him. Why would I go to him yeah. or her, you know, whatever, you know, whatever your worldview is, why would I go to God and say that, you know, you don't even, you know, your concept of God could be totally destroyed. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's, and people don't, I think people don't understand, um, and I really want our listeners to understand, to, and I really want to create a sense of empathy. Mm-hmm. Not, I don't want to give you arguing points. If you're listening to yeah, this episode yeah. and going, man, you, I'm getting some good arguing points. Don't, please, don't argue yeah. with people that are trying to get early sobriety about God. I'm trying to help you understand the empathy that we need to have, this bridge that can be real. It has to be, you know what long-suffering is? 
It's a long walk. Yeah. And there are people that are going to come in. Uh, there's a guy, and I, I know you've got some stuff you want to say, but there was a guy that was in my uh, discipleship group last year that made it about nine months, I think, is how long he made it. Uh, wasn't going to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, wasn't call himself a believer. Was going to recover, but reading the Bible. Hmm. Reading from Genesis yeah. all the way up. And... We just, I loved it. He's my, it was, was this the guy you played first big golf with that one? Time? Yeah, it is. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, just so excited about what's happening um, in his life and seeing him grow and him change and him come to really be a believer. Yeah. Um, and he had some church hurt when he grew up. But it's like, man, if we're, if, if we're not willing to walk with people for a long time that say, hey, man, I don't believe that Jesus stuff, or I don't want any of that God stuff. But I'll do anything to to get help. It's like okay, well let's let's slow walk, and that's where the whole idea of a God of your understanding. People, oh man, church pastors, yeah, the God of your understanding. People hate that. Mm-hmm. But if you if you'll sit back and go, hey man, we're talking about a person who was shooting dope every day, or yeah. drinking every day, and maybe was abused or this. Like, do you do you realize that if you walk with them? And and say yeah, take a God of your understanding for now, because mm-hmm. the the book actually says that yeah for now, and it actually says it will work to up to a certain point until you have to unmask it. until you have to find yeah, and I can yeah. I have to get my ebook and pull it out. But the whole idea is that that problem, I believe, the reason why the the phrase the God of your understanding is because of the God problem. Yeah, that's where that came from. They're trying to mitigate the God problem. They're trying to just yeah. Here, here's. Here, you know, there's a whole bunch of stairs you gotta walk up, but um, uh, let me show you the slide first. You know, it's like yeah. it's like it's it's like let's let's walk, let's ease our way into it sense. because there's so much trauma and confusion and uh, logistically yeah. it makes sense. In a perfect world, it wouldn't, but we don't live in a perfect world, right? So it, to to that point, it serves its purpose well, and they say for now. So one right. thing I want to talk about because it's a god of your understanding, right? Is that right? Is that right. the term? That's okay. that's the phrase, and that's where. Um, Pretty much every um, recovery program starts, except for Celebrate Recovery, which says, which names Jesus. Yeah. And so, so um, and uh, traditionally, people that go to CR are people that are okay with Jesus yeah. being their God. Yeah. And okay with church. And so, because comparatively, CR is really young, isn't it? Yeah. Compared C- to like eight. Oh yeah, and, CR is. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's like twenty. Isn't it? It, it may be getting close. It's getting close to thirty. Oh okay. I can probably Google. It's getting yeah. close to thirty. I would think. Yeah, because twenty twenty four. Yeah, we're really. It's got to okay. be close to. to but AA's to been around forever. AA's been around since I think ni- nineteen thirty five was yeah. when it so was. So they're coming hundred. Close to a hundred years, yeah. right? Okay. So one thing that we talked about, and it, it ties into that God of your understanding. Yeah. And uh, you and I talked about this before the episode. We want this episode more so to be aimed at kind of that intersection of addiction and atheism, or addiction right. and agnosticism. Like we're everyone needs to sort out their God problem. The, we talked about it on a previous ep- or one that hadn't aired yet, but we just recorded it. Even the most devout Christians on the outside have a God problem that they right. have to sort out. Right. So I'm not ignoring that. But the point here is to show people that the God, the God of your God problem is not the real God. So mm-hmm. uh, whenever we were talking about it, uh, it made me think of John 13 verses eight through nine. And I'm in the CSB translation uh, verse... Eight says, this is the, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. In verse 8, 
after Jesus got done washing everyone else's, he comes to Simon Peter, and in verse 8, Peter responds, You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, If I don't wash you, you will have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands (laughs) and my head. So in that, not only did Jesus already, like if we say that uh, Peter was the last one, Jesus already showed that he washed 11 other people's feet. And then all of a sudden, Peter goes, no, no, I know you did everyone else's. You did, you did all those, but you're not doing me. So to, you talked about a few minutes ago mm-hmm. the illustration of cooking dinner. And you said Jesus would be cooking the dinner with you. And it made mm-hmm. me think, like, of course he would. Like, he would have offered to do the dishes because he, he knew that things had to be he had to clean you to be a part mm-hmm. of him. So if your God problem is a church or is a lowercase g God of God doesn't want to be part of me. I have to fix this. Once I'm clean, once I'm sober, then I'm going to go to church. Then I'll sort that out. But right now I just got to get clean. That's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is literally on his hands and knees washing all of the disciples' feet. Mm-hmm. And then he gets resistance and then he explains. Like, no, I'm doing this on purpose. I mean, And then he goes on later in the chapter to talk about why he did it and what the grander illustration was. And I'm not going to sit here and read the whole thing. I would encourage you to go read it. John chapter 13. It's pretty short. It's only 38 so verses good. long. But Jesus showed, I'm... Yes. Do your feet need to be washed, disciples? Yes. But the bigger picture here is, it's not that Jesus was a clean freak who wanted no dirt on the floors they were in. Yeah, it's a spiritual thing. It was a spiritual thing. He wanted to discuss the spiritual Mm -hmm. aspect of, if I don't clean you, you'll have no part of me. So in that, Jesus not only... Not only do you have to be clean, well, I don't. that's getting into some language stuff I don't want to breach right now because yeah. it's not going to be accurate, but Jesus wants to be the one to help you get clean. Right. Well, and I think um, if, if I were to say, if you were to say, Adam, you know, when it comes to this, 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 this step of God, like, all right, this, you know, we've got to take, there's a pathway to recovery. Mm-hmm. And one of those is accepting that God is the solution. Every every yeah. program of recovery says that. And you would say, Adam, what is the approach someone seeking recovery should have? Mm-hmm. This would be the approach yeah. of Peter. Because Peter says, wait, wait, wait. I, I know you, Jesus. Yeah. You are God. You are holy. You are perfect. You are Christ. Hey, don't. I should be washing your feet. Don't wash me. Yeah, yeah. And Jesus is like, wait a second. You're, you're not getting it. You're not getting it. I'm trying to show you what kind of God I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not that, you know, that tabernacle God that you have been shown. Like I am. I'm fulfilling yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm fulfilling that. the curtain's going to be torn. The curtain's going to be cor- torn. You're yeah. going to be able to have a personal, close relationship. And so I love it when guys in recovery go and, and I meet them or I'm sponsoring them, I'm mentoring them, discipling them, whatever language you want to use. Mm-hmm. And they're going, well, you know, I, I, I'm afraid that I'm going to say the wrong thing when I pray. I'm a, you know, I, and they have just this sort of reverence for God. I'm like, man, Bible says that's where wisdom starts. Yeah. Is having this reverence for God. And so if you're listening or or you know somebody or and, and you're and that's maybe a prayer group, you may have you may say, I'm gonna pray this for someone that they would have this humility, they would have this reverence. That's the posture. This openness, open mindedness. I don't know if that's even a word. Open-minded, is, is it? I think so. Yeah, being open-minded and willing is really that pivotal step, the foundation of removing the God problem. Because yeah. what we have to say is, 
man, I, you know, maybe it was your third grade teacher. Maybe it was your, maybe it was your grandma. Like, like we have a, a close, a close uh, acquaintance who had great intentions, but you know, or a mom that was, had great intentions, but mm-hmm. it was just bad theology and just traumatized me. Whatever your experience that was bad with God or whatever reason you have a problem with God being your solution. Yeah. If you'll just say, maybe, maybe they were wrong. Yeah. And like you said earlier, maybe God wasn't the problem. They were the problem. And if I would just be open-minded and willing to seek out the true God that Maybe Adam and and, and uh, Hunter have been talking about in the Bible that that loves me, that accepts me, that, that wants to wash my that feet. wants to wash my feet. And, yeah. and th- I mean, that's the thing. If you were to say, "Man, if Jesus were here right now, where would he be? He would be under the bridge, washing the feet yeah. of the homeless people and feeding them, saying, "The kingdom of God is here. I love you." He would be showing that. That's what he would be doing. Yeah. And I also remember, and just to this is kind of a aside with a little bit of humor mixed in. I it's funny when you say like wash washing feet and like you go to a wedding these days and they do the foot washing ceremony and it's very sweet but you're taking off dress shoes from you yeah. showered this morning somebody had a pedicure this yeah, week. yeah yeah so it's like okay it's great symbolic like it's a great symbolism i get it you're taking your dress shoes off you're taking your dress socks off or you're taking heels off or whatever and then we're gonna wash your feet socks didn't exist back then yeah like not in this climate at least so literally and there wasn't much grass there wasn't around much there. grass like there's a lot of dirt so <laughs> when man. jesus did this like yes it was a spiritual purpose and point he was trying mm-hmm. to get across but when you consider the the real the realistic consequences of what jesus was doing the feet he was washing were nasty oh, so when you get into it and when you think about like there's always and every person you and i talk to about any of this it's yeah, no, I get that, but like God can't, right. God can't do this, and it's like that's a God problem too, for you to misunderstand the ability of God. Mm-hmm. God can do it; mm-hmm. He wants to. He literally had to argue to do so. It wasn't if Peter was like, "No, nah, man, you're not doing mine. Like you're the you're the king of like I'm aware now who you are. You're not washing my feet. You're my teacher." Yeah. If if I were Jesus in that moment, I would be like, Shh, "Those other eleven were gross." Thanks, Peter. Like I'm gonna tap out now. That was I appreciate nasty. you. Appreciate you for being thoughtful. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus pressed forward mm-hmm. and made the point to do so. And just, that's so uh, important for people to sort out that part of their God problem. And there are many many parts to the God problem. But okay, you figured out that your previous church hurt was not actually God. It was someone mm-hmm. that you misassigned God to. Mm-hmm. But you also need to sort out the ability and the the all power of God, right. in the sense that, yeah, God can do it. Believe it or not, mm-hmm. like I don't I don't care how bad your problem is, God can do it. God God's grace can overcome any of your shortcomings, any of your sin, any of your fall. Um, does that mean that we're all going to die living in white picket fences and little dollhouses? No, we we may die with the baggage and the burdens that we handle today, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that God wasn't working. It's so good. I'm glad you brought that up because. Um, I believe that a big, probably after, after accepting past or whatever your idea of God when you got here is, mm-hmm. is, is really one of the biggest problems. Cause you're going, man, this, you're telling me this God that, that people have used with so much hate or mm-hmm. this God that, um, you know, has has allowed this to happen in my life. I've been raped. I've been abused. I've been divorced. I mean, you know, that's the biggest issue, right? But once, 
um, we've sort of set that aside and, and talked through that and prayed through that and or either really just been beat down so much mm-hmm. by our own struggle that we're just saying, okay, I'm willing to try now. That next part, you know, if there's A and B, the next part of accepting that is, or the next problem is this, this misunderstanding of faith. Yeah. And I get this a lot with um, uh, new believers, and, yeah, and I catch myself doing this too, is this whole idea that like my faith was this one time like decision, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, there is a moment that I can go back to and say, man, I realized that God was absolutely real, and I made Him Lord of my life, and I surrendered to mm-hmm. Him. But my faith in that moment was just enough to believe that that's who that God could save me and that he could change me. Yeah. I don't I I've been a Christian now for 18 years. My faith is way bigger mm-hmm. than that first moment that I said God you are real. Yeah. Way bigger, right? Yeah. And, and so it's not just it 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 will say it's a both end. It is a, we do have to make a decision. But then it starts this journey as mm-hmm. you've been describing. It's this long, slow walk yeah. through ups and downs and messiness and ugliness, and it's a it's a it's a journey of practicing um, faith, mm-hmm. right? That allows our faith to continue to grow. Which the Hebrews eleven one says, "Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." Yeah. So it's like I have this strong belief that things are going to be ha- are going to happen because of my hope and my belief in God like this is what God's character is this and this is this is recovery right here i believe that something i can't see i can't touch i can't smell is going to restore me to sanity is going to take the desire for me to use or Insert your problem. I, mm-hmm. but I'm hoping in that with everything I have. It's so I have so much hope in it that it changes the way that I actually live. Yeah. And then the other part is is that um, I actually can. There's this evidence of of that it's happening, right? So that evidence is my life, your life, yeah. somebody else's 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 life, and that's why that's why like recovery meetings are so big because we go there and we hear other people share their experience with God, and you're like, wait a second, there's evidence mm-hmm. that God is real. There's evidence in Hunter's life and Mitch's life and our life. And so that then that that's another kind of, we're walking along this journey together, and it's just like with lifting weights or anything, the more you more reps you do, the stronger yeah. you get. Well, these more of these opportunities you are to hear God. That's why it's so great to get in a community, either a, you know, a church or whatever, because yeah. then your faith just grows and grows, you know? Yeah. So I think it would, I'm going to challenge myself to make it through an entire episode without uh, invoking C.S. Lewis like once, because I've yet to do that. I think every single That's all episode good. I no, talk about him. Keep it coming. But one of my favorite books by him is The Screw Tape Letters, uh, because it is basically he attempted to make the devil's playbook so that we could fight him better. Um, and you can call it like the Harbro or the Bilicek, whatever you want or like, we got the playbook and we're going to yeah. try to fight it better. And, um, he, I can't remember which letter it was that this was written in, but it was one of the letters, um, from, uh, Wormwood to Screwtape. And he talks about how one of the most important things you can do in a new believer. 
So the goal is to keep people from coming believers of demons. That's their goal. Right. But then it goes in to say that if they go to a church, the best thing you can do when they get there is find little things that will make them really mad. So the main like um, victim of the screw tape letters is this one guy, and they go into the fact, they allude to it loosely, that he has issues with his mom that he never sought through, never figured it out. He just kind of carries his baggage always. He's used to it now, unfortunately. But screw Wormwood tells screw tape, I need you to little things, like the way his mom would uh, whatever, the way she the way she walked. Yeah. Make sure he sees the woman who walks just like his mom. Make sure that every time he goes to a new church, something reminds him that run that pushes him from that church. Mm. And the purpose there is he doesn't want him digging deep roots. He wants mm-hmm. this believer that they're trying to sway from Jesus. He wants them to never get deep roots. And it even goes on to say, let's say that he goes to a church, and I forget the ways Lewis words it, but he goes on to say, like, basically, if he gets the warm fuzzies, like if he's in service and mm-hmm. like things are moving well and he's really uh, making spiritual progress towards this, man, God can do this. He said, if he has that high, get him addicted to it. Because no pastor, no faithful pastor is going to be able to deliver that same emotion every Sunday. <laughs> because some Sundays you're going to work through Leviticus and you're going to work through yeah. and it's not going to be as fun. Wow. But he said, get him addicted to that high so that whenever he comes back on, let's say he gets it on week two, week one, when he comes back on week two and he doesn't get him, doesn't get that high, make him miss it. And that, because then he's going to leave dude, and he's going to go find another church that'll give it to him. Exactly. And basically all we're doing, we're going to start from square one every single time. But you're describing, you know, it's funny, in recovery, we, we talk about this uh, pink cloud. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, that's a phrase. So the first year, you know, you're on this pink cloud because think about it, you know, you're, when you're using, you're destroying relationships, you're losing jobs, you're feeling yeah. unhealthy physically, mentally, like, and then you just take alcohol away, then automatically you're physically feeling better, you're mentally more clear. Mm. Then you're working a program where you're following spiritual actions, which is you're paying attention to what you say and how you treat people, and so that makes your relationships better. So that first year is like, dang i mean yeah. it's like you're singing uh the aladdin a whole new world yeah. <laughs> you know it's like it's a whole new world it's that pink cloud but then man i lose my job mm-hmm. and then it's like you we're going oh see like you were talking about oh see see i knew god was going to do this and so a lot of people that god problem really continues on those first few years when you have you have to really work out your faith and go wait a second I know God loves me, and God, and I'm, I can pursue this relationship with God, but I still live in a fallen world where yeah. bad things happen, and the divorce may still happen. I may not get my kids back. I may not get my job back. And so that those first couple of years of sobriety are so difficult. Yeah, you know that's why the numbers are so bad because um, this that we, God is the solution, and we don't really know who He is, and we're not taught. It's a long game, not a short game, mm. and a lot. A lot of Christian and faithful believers are unwilling to hold a hand and say, well, I'm going to long suffer with you yeah. because it is a long walk out of that nasty, dirty pit that you crawled into. Yeah. And I used to be there, but I, I don't know if I really want to get down in there with you. Oh, yeah. You know, it's that it's like for me, there's oftentimes, um, you know, it's eight, eight thirty. I just got home. I got a beautiful wife. I have a nice house, great kids got back from the basketball game. I've been being, you know, the work guy from, you know, or, you know, work guy from six to four. Yeah. Dad from five to 
eight at the gym. I get home. We've already ate dinner, and I want to sit on the couch, and my phone rings, and it's a guy in recovery. Yeah. And you're going, well, I'm I'm not in the cave right I'm now. I'm not the recovery guy right this now. Guy, this guy's only got nine months or five months or four months, and so that's when you got to just pick up. And normally it's – I can't tell you how many times I felt like, ah, oh, and I'm just being honest here, but then I pick up, and it's – I feel so much better after, one – Two, conversation wasn't as long as I thought it was. And three, that guy, his life was completely changed because I was willing to pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. And so I think some of the God problem is also brought on our followers where we're going, yeah, I love to post on social media pictures of my Bible, Mm -hmm. but I don't like to answer my phone or I don't like to give somebody a ride or I don't like to sit and weep with them or I don't like to call somebody and say I'm having a problem with this how to those hard hard conversations and just the the bottom line is the beginning of recovery um, is very very messy Mm -hmm. and when you have this um, pretty little God that you bring out on your shelf every now and again He's not going to be the solution to that, and no. especially if you saw that, and you have, and you have followers of Christ that don't want to get dirty, and in the mud and get messy, then what you have is a lot of people that have a problem with God, and that's yeah. why we're that's that is the problem, and and I think um, um, you've got some some questions here too, maybe for our listeners that um, might just be helpful for them to explore, um, yeah. and how they can grow their faith and right now and so it's like all right we just put out a whole bunch of information so but yeah so we're gonna give these for yeah just kind of give them some questions and think about where you are and uh we may um do a little bit of uh uh, um content and stuff we'll talk through some of them but i think it'd be good if you're listening and you're going man i'm right there or i know somebody that's right there or um maybe this is maybe this episode just motivates you to go listen i'm gonna answer that phone i'm gonna walk with them i'm gonna get messy because that really is the difference in recovery. Yeah. How many men are willing to walk with other men? How many women are willing to walk with other women when it's more than just, how are you doing, brother? Good. Yeah, that's the thing about recovery. He's asking if somebody in recovery, how are you doing? They'd be like, terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, All right, man. See you later. Yeah. So wait, you asked me. You yeah. Know? And now you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Uh, and in that, there's so, so we're going to get to the question. I have one last sure. thing and I'll yeah. dive into him real quick. Um, be, so we're all broken people. You and I, even before we started this, we were talking through some personal stuff. And I was telling you a bunch of stuff that's going on in my life. And if you were to uh, basically have done that, like if I said, you know, not great. Like I'm going through all this stuff with my family uh, and different different issues socially. And then if you were to just be like, wow, cool, let's record. (laughs) Let's get to it. Dang, okay, you shouldn't have told Adam anything. (laughs) But uh, the enemy wants us to be alone like that's if that's new to Mm. you i hope that you can hear that fully the enemy wants you to walk through this alone he wants you to be flying solo because he can pick you off yeah um but if you do find someone to walk through this with he's going to make it as hard as possible to walk through it with that person so that you'll think you can do it better alone right so i remember um my wife and i had just started a new church and uh, i remember telling the pastor uh i was going to his bible study at his house um, real early one morning and we were leaving and I was just like, and I, I caught him kind of on a bad day. He wouldn't have responded like this on a normal day, but I, I kind of caught him on a bad one. And uh, I was just like, man, I, I'm really loving this church. And he kind of looked at me with like a half grin. And now that I know what I knew, he was, he was really going through it at that time. And he goes, you can say that now. Wait till it offends you. 
Wait till someone really makes you mad and really upsets you. And if you come back, then you love it. What a, what a, what a brilliant and wise response. Right? And he, and he was like, when you come back, that'll show me that you love it. But he's like, right now, you haven't experienced anything bad in this church. He said, we're a church of broken people. So someone's going to offend you eventually. Mm-hmm. And someone's going to hurt your feelings. And if you really love this place, you'll come back after you're offended. And you'll yeah. sort it out. You'll figure it out. You'll get over it. You'll talk it through. But he said... After you do that, then you can say you love it. Yeah. And I remember being like, I think we should, that's the same thing we should say about faith. Yeah. Like let's, the same thing is about your faith. If you say, all right, I'm going to start this journey of faith with God. I'm listening to this. I can relate to this and I'm going to give God a chance. Just know that even though you genuinely pursue him, your faith at some point, it's, it's going to feel like, oh, it's going to hurt. You know, somebody that another believer, another person in your meeting, another person that you look up to like human beings were the worst examples of God and and we're so imperfect that we mess up and so um just know that like on your faith journey like that's gonna I can think man so many times I wish I'd had your pastor when I was 18 but yeah or when I, when I first got saved I was 20 but there were so many times I got hurt or lied to or I'll never forget one of my one of my friends in Bible college who did something to me that, I mean, it broke my heart. And I, I remember crying and I'm like 20 years old crying. I, I had no understanding of it. And I called my pastor and I was telling him all about it. He didn't really give me good, any good advice, but looking back on it, I'm going, I was just so shocked because I was all, I was new to all this yeah. Jesus stuff. And I thought like, Oh, if you're a Jesus follower, like, and you're at a Bible college. Oh, you probably dude, I thought can you fall. Were like I can in, trust you. Yeah, like you're not. Yeah. You're not like I wasn't realizing. Like oh, you're still human, right? Yeah. And that I struggled with my faith, and I really, you know, I struggled with even my call to ministry. After that, I was like, wow, this guy. Wow, how could he do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like I think we need to help people understand. I, I think we. I want to make sure that we um, sit there for a second and go, hey. If you start this faith journey, you're still, it's going to hurt. It's going to struggle. Yeah. It's going to be there because I can even, I can attest to that too, man. Yeah. So in that, let's, question one is, it's kind of a two-parter. Sure. How have you struggled to believe in God in your past? And then do you have any fears or doubts about your faith in God? So in that, uh, Adam and I may dive into it, unpacking in a minute, but in those, that two-parter question, pause that, think about it. How have you struggled to believe in God in your past? And part two, do you have any fears or doubts about your faith in God? Yeah, and I think it's just real practical. And just this idea of of looking at what are the obstacles to me having a kind of relationship with God that is close, that is life-changing, that is rich, and just going, what are those obstacles? You know, we do that all the time, and like you've already shared on here, on every other form of of thought or education or work, whatever it may be, we're, we're okay to go, oh man, that's a, that's a boulder. Those are some pebbles. There's a pothole. Like we need to navigate through those or we got to go through that. And I think this is just some preliminary start. If you're looking at your faith and going, well, what did I, what did I believe about yeah. God in the, fa- in the past? And okay, do I have any doubts? Do I have any fears? Is there certain things I don't believe? Is it the Bible? Is it this Jesus? Is it, and voice those. Yeah. We have, we have been so silent about our faith that God can't speak into our faith. Mm -hmm. If we're silent about where we are, then we can't have the truth of God to speak into it. And others 
can't speak into our lives. So I would just encourage anybody listening to take some time, write that down, speak that, um, talk through those things with your mentor. Some of the, maybe the, the biggest hurdle you have could be something small, but you just haven't voiced it. Yeah. So that, that really leads into what you, what you just broke out is a good point that segues into our second question. How would a closed mind and not an open mind be harmful to your spiritual growth. Mm. So in what ways, what barricades have you left up? And the reality is, I'm thinking back to your friend that you play Frisbee golf with, yeah, um, yeah. who was reading the Bible, was going yeah, to yeah. but wouldn't go to church. What barricades had he left up that prevented him from engaging with the church, which is God's plan? What barricades can we bring down? How are we being closed-minded? And we don't even know it. Yeah, and I think it's, it's important to, I want to say this, um, when my boys were little, uh, they were very curious, mm-hmm. and they wanted to get into everything. Especially uh, my middle son JoJo, he wanted to put his hand on anything. Now they they weren't they they kind of weren't. I never worried about them with bleach or anything like that. But they, I mean, if you had anything nice, boy, they were going they oh, were going to yeah. mess with it. And it's like so putting a fence in the back of our yard was to protect them, mm-hmm. right? That way they wouldn't walk, run off or somebody wouldn't come and get them. That wasn't to isolate them. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a bad thing. That fence was for their protection, right? Yeah. Um, and so for somebody who's listening and says, man, I was wounded or this happened or that, and I put up this wall to protect me from people that represented God and they harmed me, that's okay. Yeah. And that was wise, right? We we need to do that. We mm-hmm. need to protect ourselves. But, you know, I have a 16-year-old. Yeah. And so right right now to have to to send them in the backyard, uh we got a couple acres to go, "Hey man, don't get outside this fence." Mm-hmm. You know, that would not be healthy for them. They need to no. get out. They need to explore. They need to fall down. They need to scrub their knee like I'm yeah. completely okay with my 16-year-old roaming around in my backyard. Yep. It's not Wise, And so that's what I would say to someone who's listening and say, hey, listen, if you've been wounded or you've been hurt or your conception of God was totally off and you put walls up to protect yourself, great. That only lasts for a certain time. Yeah. Now it's time to grow up and explore and learn all that God has for yeah. you. And that, so talking about your son, that's a good way uh, to lead into this next one as well. So your son was exploring his yard at certain ages. He wasn't allowed out of this, but now he is, and he's allowed to explore more. So in your own words today, uh, I would encourage you to explain to yourself, who is God? Right. The God I understand today, um, whether you are an atheist, an agnostic, a Christian, any denomination of Christian or otherwise, how would you describe God today? So we'll uh, remember, pause this, work through it on your own pace, and then press play and you can come back and hear yeah. us talk about it all. So, you, so we went back in the past. We looked at who, where God was and yeah. all of our fears, all of our doubts. We, we said, okay, if we're unwilling to hear about a, maybe a different set, how would that prevent us from moving forward? This gives us a starting point. Yeah. So this is the beginning of, it's not a, remember, it's not a sprint. It's a, it's a, it's a slow walk. So we're going to start and we're going to take this walk with God Let's just say here's some, and it's okay if you say I. Maybe your belief is I don't. God can't be trusted. Yeah. You need to put that down because Mm -hmm. those are the things. Those are the hurdles that we can walk through, and a lot of times the things that are touching our beliefs about God are the things that are preventing us from moving forward in our faith. 
Yep. And then, so we've, we've answered those two questions. Who was God to you? Who is he today? And this last question is going to be, let's compare and contrast those. So often the people in our lives can affect our belief in God negatively or mm-hmm. positively. Positively, mm-hmm. How have your feelings about God been impacted by the people in your life? So, so if you acknowledge, you know what, the God of my teen years, whenever I was younger, when I was in college, mm-hmm. he was terrible. Like, but let's, let's unpack that because now, hopefully you're coming to a place where you know God isn't terrible. God is actually all things, he, God mm-hmm. is good. But why did you think he was terrible? What in your right. childhood led you to the conclusion that God didn't want anything to do with you? What led you to the conclusion that God didn't want to get dirty? He didn't want to wash your feet like he did right. in John 13. Like, mm-hmm. let's unpack that. How did we get to that bad place? And believe it or not, figuring out how you got to that bad place, you may think you're in a good place now, but if you can crack why you're in a bad place, it's going to send you to an even better one in That's your faith. Good. Well, and I love the John 13 analogy because... Like we said, we got to a starting point of what we believe about God now. And as we start walking forward, we start to we start to go, oh, I believe this. And then we go, well, why? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, that's I believe this about God, not because I actually experienced experience that from his character. I, that happened because of a situation or a person or um, a place that I was in. It was actually, I didn't, that wasn't actually God. That was something else in my life that maybe led me to believe that. Mm-hmm. And just like with Peter, Peter says, wait a second, hold on, man. I, I don't, don't watch me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm messed up Dude, like a soup sandwich. Nasty, yeah, my feet are nasty. Yeah. And then he goes, wait, and Jesus says, no, let me tell you who I am. Yeah. I'm a nasty feet washer. Yeah. I'm an imperfect person changer. I'm an alcoholic you know, restore. I'm an addict who's stole everything, did everything wrong. I'm the person who comes there and says, I love you. Let's walk together. Let yeah. me get you out of that place. That's the character of God. And so as we're walking forward and we realize, wait a second, Adam told me that. That's that's not who God is. That's not God in that experience. So yeah. we can start to put true statements about the character of God with these fallacies that we learn and, from other situations. And also, like, you and I say this at the beginning of every teaching episode. The point here is to help you sharpen your sword so you can right. fight those battles. And if you're in a church, because uh, we'll be honest here, there are great churches and there are some that are not great, um, that are struggling to actually live out the Great Commission and the calling well. Um, and if listen to what we're saying here that Jesus does want to wash your feet. So if you come across a pastor who says something um, that doesn't align with that, the truth of the Bible, call back to this moment and go, you know, what? my pastor is wrong in this, in this. I don't again, we're not looking for arguing points here. Yeah, right. We're looking to sharpen swords. So in that, if you are facing active spiritual abuse and active church abuse or active condemnation from people who don't hold that authority over you, you need to go, no, that's not who the God of the Bible is. The God of the Bible is one who not only when I tell him not to wash my feet, he will argue with me to do so. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote uh, in Luke 18, uh, verse 9, I'm not going to flip to it, but it's the parable of um, when they're in the temple and they see a Pharisee at the front worshiping loudly with his hands up and making a scene. And then there's the tax collector mm-hmm. at the back of the church who knows he's that's not worthy. Favorite, it's great. Uh, knows he's not worthy. And he and Jesus said, "What does he say?" It's something like, "That's the he." He gets says it. that basically saying he's the one that understands. He's the, yeah, that's what he's the one that understands it. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, like if you're facing active spiritual abuse, know that that's not who the God of the Bible is. The God of the Bible, uh, Adam just went on a like a preaching 
moment there for a second. We really need a soundboard so we can do like a yeah, an get, organ we, or something because that we, was good. We need to do an Amazon stuff. Yeah. yeah. So keep that in mind. Like, and I know that we're we're winding down here, but think about these questions. Work through this. Um, and when you do, you'll be able to to solve that God problem and figure out who God really is. Yeah, you know the we are it, it's a it's a Christianese kind of thing is the whole faith is the size of a mustard seed. So if you're not if you haven't grown up in church, it's a it's a scripture from the Bible. But the whole idea of this is that a mustard seed is so tiny, and I've having been give them out in different different situations but i guess if you were to kind of you know cut your fingernail and you think about a fingernail and maybe half the size of a fingernail that's about what a mustard seed is mm-hmm. but then if you plant that in the ground it grows into this huge like it's they're giant plants right yeah. and so like a tree almost and so if you're listening and you're going wow this is a lot this is too much all we're saying is is that if you just have a little bit of willingness that's that's what faith is. Just this openness and this willingness to say, "Okay, God, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a try. I'm going to start with on my knees in the morning, going, take the desire for me to use away. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you at night. If you start your prayers, you know, why not try? Why not give God a chance? You tried everything else. You've done everything else. Why not just give God a chance and Start and there's no wrong way to pray unless you don't do it, you know. And if you, if if your people say, well, you can't. What if you're praying selfishly? Well, if you pray enough, eventually that selfishness will kind of rub off. It's like if I, if I, if I were to rub something on some sandpaper, eventually it would get smooth, right? Yeah. And 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 God is that that um, that thing that sharpens us. And so, um, yeah, I would just say, man, I, that's how. I just hope that people that are listening who have a problem with God um, are willing to have an openness to take a little nudge or a little step forward. And people that are um, listening and they don't understand um, AA or NA or they don't understand people who are struggling with addiction and they don't understand what the God problem is, I hope that you have empathy and really have a lot of more grace and would say, I'm willing to walk a little bit longer with someone who doesn't understand or doesn't believe or doesn't understand theology and all of that, and they're just wounded. Yeah. And I hope that we, as a na- as a Christian nation, um, and just the the church, as far as um, uh, you know, the biblical world church and, and people, I hope we would say, I'm willing to to take it a little step further. And I'm willing to go a little bit lower, as Jesus said, and wash some dirty feet. Yeah. Yep. And be the church well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope it leads you to a better understanding. Uh, As always, reach out to us if you have any questions uh, on social media, email, whatever. Um, Our website is recoveryrefuge.care. Feel free to reach out. We look forward to talking to you. Have a good day. Thank you for tuning in to the Recovery Refuge podcast. We always appreciate it when you share this podcast on your social media platforms to help get the word out. You never know whose life will be saved or impacted in the world of recovery because you chose to share. To learn more about Recovery Refuge or to support us, go to www.recoveryrefuge.care. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, 
Today is a great day to have a great day. 